0: Okay, looks like we're going. So, it's been a while. It has been a very long time. It is (laughs) nice to be back. It is. So, how have you been surviving all this? Um,
1: as best I can with three children two of which were homeschooled, distance learned, (laughs) Yeah, which just resulted in hair loss and wine drinking, (laughs) you know, on my part. But, uh, surviving. What about you guys?
0: You've been working from home. We have been working from home, which basically means I hole up in my office and, you know, do that whole thing, do that whole thing, stare out my window and and then come in here and stare at the T V?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Like, that's like, you know, the biggest the biggest commute you have is from your right. office to your living room. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Everything. You change your day pajamas into night pajamas. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's how we've been living in popcorn for lunch sometimes, you know, uh, things oh, like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, basically graze all day long. Graze, yep, and never, ever, ever want to cook a meal. That's right. My my big outings every day is taking the dogs outside to the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even have
1: those. Well, I guess I get to take my kids outside to the backyard. <laughs> recess. But that's about it. Yes, recess. P-E. <laughs> P-E. But uh, but yeah, we've been coping, haven't had so much time to do research and stuff for our precious podcast. Right. But we're getting back into the swing of things. We are figuring out what life is in this craziness a little bit. Yeah. Trying to gain our footing, I think you know I, th-
0: I think we are too of course you know gain our footing about the time you know i we start looking at possibly going back to the office to work yeah. and then have to reestablish everything but yeah well i mean it'll be a new normal that's for sure i think
1: we're going to oh, go definitely. back to i think we're going to go back to stuff that's not ever going to be the same again like i don't think you know mm-hmm. how you know how asia wears masks those people wear masks and stuff all the time because they're so overpopulated and it's so many people and all mm-hmm. everybody's always sick you know the only play the only way you can stop it is you know to wear masks and you know mm-hmm. the world might not be far behind that trend yeah. you know constantly wear masks i mean you can get them to match every outfit <laughs> i'm just saying it wouldn't be such a bad thing it's like one of those uh apocalypse movies we can all dress and have cool masks and you know hey bling it up bling it up do the whole thing make it pretty you know draw some lipstick on it put some lips on it and do your whole makeup and you know do the things so (laughs) yeah anyway but we're back and it's nice to be back and it's gonna continue to be nice because we're gonna actually continue to do this guys it's gonna be good but uh so summer gets to bring us our murder yes after so long we're gonna, we're rusty, guys. We're real rusty. Oh, we are. We hadn't even really got going yet. <laughs> we gotta stop. So, bear with us. This is like first podcast all over again. So, this right. is version
0: <laughs> 1.2. So, before I get started, I want to remind you guys that we do want to hear your stories. Yes, please, please, please. So, if you have any type of mystery, paranormal, UFO, murder, any weird
1: urban legends in your area, any uh, strange occurrences that have happened maybe in your region. Anything, really.
0: Any um, murderous appliances that have tried to kill you. <laughs> yes. Any, any um, sort of
1: narrow escapes with any sort of household <laughs> objects. <laughs> anything. Anything that you think would be interesting. Anything you guys would like to hear about, maybe. Um, any Anything interesting, just
0: let us know. We, we're we here for you guys. We want to hear from you. Yes. So um, hit us up on our email at... Murder and Mystery Cast at gmail.com. So I'm going to kick us off today with a story of Dorothy Stratton. So I am going to take us all the way back to 1960. Oh, okay. Um, Dorothy Ruth Hook Stratton oh. <laughs> was born on February 28, 1960, to Simon and Nellie who were immigrants from the Netherlands. Okay. Um, she had a younger brother and sister, had a normal life. Um, she grew up in British Columbia, Canada, and she was working at the Dairy Queen, local Dairy Queen, throughout high school to help out at home and, you know, go into school, normal teenager. Mm-hmm. Just so happened she was really pretty. So, when uh, Dorothy was 18, she was still in high school, a guy named Paul Snyder walked into her Dairy Queen Mm -hmm. and it changed her life Okay, and ended her life pretty much. So, Paul Snyder was 26 years old at the time and he worked as a promoter for automobile and cycling shows. Okay. However, he had a very lavish lifestyle. He liked to live it up. He liked nice things. And so he also had a side business of being the local pimp.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so he would pimp out local girls as well. And when Snyder came in, he recognized Dorothy's potential. And <laughs> so he started to sh- show her some attention um, started kind of courting her and showering her with attention, mm. expensive gifts, expensive dinners. Oh, um, did the whole thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Things that
1: this small town girl, whined and dined. You know, somebody that yeah. never had been
0: wined and dined before, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so in this girl, she grew up as um, she was pretty naive. Yeah. You know, she was just. 18 years old she was just a baby yeah um she lived a pretty sheltered lifestyle so he started convincing her that she could be a star and she could make all of his dreams of fame and fortune come true this yeah this wasn't a she's a
1: golden goose basically right okay
0: This wasn't going to be your local street walker. This This, was... He he had big plans. Yeah. He was moving up. Okay. Yeah. This was his money maker. She was the key. Yes. So, he convinced her that she could be a model. And he also convinced her mom. Because in Canada at that time, 19 was the age of consent. And Dorothy was only 18. Okay. So, mom had to sign the papers, too. Okay. So, he got mom to sign the papers, and then he talked Dorothy into competing in Playboy's 25th annual Great Playmate Hunt. Okay. So, Dorothy later told a local Canadian TV show, Uh like a local interview thing that she did, that it took Snyder two weeks To talk her into allowing a professional photographer to take her pictures Uh because she had never undressed in front of anybody. Oh. And she had to have nude photos for the entry for this. Wow. Yeah. So that's how, you know, green and how young this girl was. And so she, he finally did it. He talked her into that and she took the pictures and he sent the pictures in. And as soon as they got the pictures, they called, yeah. and they, they wanted her to come in, and they sent her the plane tickets and everything, and,
1: yeah. you know. got had it on the way. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, she flew out to L.A. Uh, this was the first time she'd ever been in a plane, the first time she'd ever been in the United States, the first time she'd ever been in a limo. Wow. Um and so she It was a
1: huge deal.
0: Yeah. We're talking like height of luxury, like big right. time. Yeah. And so the photo editor for um Playboy magazine said that it was very evident that she had never um done never anything done anything like, like this. That? Yeah. That she was very inexperienced. Um, this photo editor said she had never worked with anybody so inexperienced. Okay. Um, she said that it was very obvious that Dorothy was not used to thinking of herself as somebody, uh, as somebody being beautiful. Um, but Hugh Hefner was taken with Dorothy. And he said that she was going to be the next Marilyn Monroe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, from the moment he saw her, he knew she was going to be a star. uh, So, and
1: that also, you know, talks to her naivety. Right. You know, Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean Baker was a very naive, very green, sheltered, couldn't imagine, you know. I mean, she did did the same thing. She did the playboy and, and stuff like that after being... Forced into it, right? You know, and I mean, we all know that was Marilyn's thing—her innocence, the very like—I don't, I don't even know how you would describe it. She was, she was sexy, and she knew she was sexy, but she was so innocent about it that everybody was like, "This is like the best person, you know, right. in the world." Yeah. So to say that she's the next Marilyn Monroe, in my opinion, is a huge, huge honor because I'm a huge fan. Right. Of Maryland. So, but both of them very naive, very green. Right. You know, people controlling them. Right. You know, okay. So he's pulling strings. Right. Okay.
0: Well, and this girl, at this time, you can just imagine how many people's photos had been sent in yeah, and how, how many, many people pictures. they had actually called in to do these test shots. Yeah. So for him to have actually chosen her as one of the people to see anyway, yeah. and then to say that and to be so taken with her was a big deal. Yes. Um, but they did feel that she was too inexperienced to handle the spotlight of being the centerfold for yeah. that year, because she was so naive, mm-hmm. so young, so innocent. Yeah. They did go with someone else. That was
1: probably a really good call. Right.
0: You know. And actually, um, the girl that they gave it to was a um, senior from uh, the University of Oklahoma. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, <laughs> she was brought on as a Playboy bunny at the Playboy Club. Okay. Yeah. Um, Being 18, she wasn't allowed to serve alcohol, so she was a door greeter at the mansion.
1: Nice.
0: Um, so That's she, a pretty
1: prestigious gig. Right. Like. Right. I mean, she has centerfold potential, but even
0: that, you know. Exactly, Door but, Bunny is <laughs> a good gig. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, she was brought into Hugh Hefner's home. She was brought yeah. into this inner she circle. Was, yeah, she
1: was in the fold. And yeah.
0: stuff. It, into a place where a lot of these models weren't brought. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like the top of the top. That's right yeah. Like, yeah. And then she was featured as Miss August in 1979. Okay. So, um, a year later. Once she's
1: accustomed yeah. to the lifestyle and understands what it's about a little more. Right. Yeah.
0: So I guess I didn't put this out there. This was in the spring of 1978. So okay. in um, August of 1979, she was given she finally that. She went into the Okay. Yeah. Um so then she soon started to appear in films. Uh-huh. Um so That is a dramatic step away from pictures. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, as Dorothy began to rise in popularity, um, Snyder began to be pushed aside. Mm. So, this guy who met her in 1978 as an 18-year-old senior in high school. Nobody. Yeah. And he kind of discovered her and brought her to L.A. and made her what she was. He's now getting pushed out. He was not well-liked at the Playboy Mansion. When they first got there, he, he was there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he was often there even when she wasn't there. And they had found him kind of messing around with some other women. Uh-huh. He was kicked out and was told at one point that he couldn't come back unless she was there with him. Probably another good call. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Her new friends... Tended to avoid him, but Dorothy believed that she owed him for her new life and her That's fame. That's
1: understandable,
0: yeah. So, in 1979, she married him. Oh. Despite objections from her closest friends and objections from Hugh Hefner himself. Oh, Hef, man. Gotta yeah. listen to him. So, she went ahead and got married, but Dorothy was quickly becoming a rising star. The press called her an emerging goddess of the decade. Oh. Um so and she began she starred in Galazina, Autumn Born, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Um had some roles in Fantasy Island, uh-huh. um Skate Town, USA, uh, Americathon, And They All Laughed with Audrey Hepburn. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. So she dabbled. She did some things. Yeah. She did. So when filming um, They All Laughed with Audrey Hepburn, she was in a lockdown set for a while and worked very closely with director Peter Bognovich. Bognevich. Anyway, uh, she had met him before, and he had been going through a really tough time. Hmm. He had gone through a divorce and had been struggling. He had met her at the mansion, Uh and they had been talking, and he had apparently written a part into this film for her. Aw, okay. And he later reported that they had started a romance before the movie had started but they did have a full blown affair during this movie Okay. so after the filming had ended um, she came back Paul Snyder had already begun to suspect that his wife was cheating on him he began to grow suspicious of his wife he had hired a private detective to follow her Oh, okay. He's serious then. He had even started to become interested in guns. Oh. And his new hobby that he took up was hunting.
1: Oh, that's not good. Right. That's a red
0: flag. (laughs) Or a couple. (laughs) Yeah. So, after this film had ended, um, she came back and she told him about the affair. Mm Mm-hmm. And she left him. She separated and filed for divorce. Did the right thing? Right. Okay. So after that, some of his friends said that he had started slipping statements into conversations with them about how he had heard that Playboy wouldn't print nude photos of girls if they got murdered. Oh. And making comments like that, that they thought were really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Some and weird, how did you even know,
1: work that into a conversation.
0: He also had bought a new gun okay. and stuff. So her friends, her family, you know, people were telling her that she needed to stay away from him. That she needed to just cut ties, move on with her life, clean slate, and, and go on. Right. Yeah. So, Hugh Hefner and some of the other Playboy bunnies had basically forbidden her to see him. Okay. Um, She had been talking about needing to see him to take care of some business, um, some last minute things that they needed to sign for some property that she was signing over to him as part of their divorce agreement, and they forbid it. Yeah. And stuff. So she actually snuck out oh. on August fourth, nineteen eighty, and went to his house to discuss this. Oh man. They were alone and he brought her in. He took this opportunity of them being alone and he shot her in the eye. Oh. Killing her instantly. He then raped her dead body, and then he turned the gun on himself. Wow. Uh, Friends were worried because when they found out that she had gone over there, his friends were worried about them being alone. Her friends were worried, so people went. They were banging on the door. They weren't hearing anything. They finally went into the home went into the bedroom and found this sight that just looked like a nightmare. Yeah, I can imagine. And stuff. So, yeah, she was 20 years old. My um, goodness. Had been a star for, what, a year?
1: Wow. Just started out, and that was like a pure, like, if I can't have you, no one can have you. You know, I, I, I made you this. This is what you are because
0: of me kind of
1: thing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Man. And so that's the story of Dorothy Stratton and Gosh. her very short time in the spotlight. And spotlight wow. her very short life. I mean, she could have been a huge... Well, I mean, Star. look at you know
1: Pamela Anderson and all those other you know girls that were bunnies and you know yeah. were on primetime TV. And, yeah. You know, so she could have been names.
0: one of them that we all wow. know today, and but instead, because of Cut a short. jealous ex-husband, yeah, that's
1: right. Man. Very sad. It is sad. Guys, men and women alike need to watch out for those red flags of abusive relationships.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: that was like a million of them. And I mean, nobody said anything or did anything until it was too late. Right.
0: And her family, everybody, nobody trusted this guy. Nobody liked this guy. But because he lavished this attention on her and these gifts and told her all these things, made her these promises, she latched on to him. I mean, she she was young.
1: She was, you know... And, you know, you you tend to listen, especially when you're a young woman. You tend to, you know, listen and trust those people that have an interest in you and, you know, mm-hmm. make you feel like something special. And, I mean, that's what she got roped into. And I think a lot of abusive relationships start out like that, like, from what I've heard, you know. Right. The abuser is always very, you know, forward and affectionate, mm-hmm. and you know, until they're not anymore, right. you know.
0: But if you find yourself in an abusive relationship... Please reach out for help. Um, there even are so if you're many questioning, people.
1: Is this an abusive relationship? Oh yes. If you even have to question, it probably is. Right. You know, reach out to somebody—family, friends, crisis
0: centers. You pizza know. delivery people. Yes. Anybody at all. That can possibly get you out of that situation. Don't let
1: the situation become a crisis. Don't let it get to that point. Exactly. You know, save yourself and your family or whoever's involved. Anyway. So now to our mystery. Now to our now to our mystery um, also involves a little bit of murder because that's how I like to roll.
0: <laughs> Mysterious murder. Mysterious that murders is the are the best murders. <laughs>
1: That's what we like to That's say. That's what we like to say. Okay, this one has kind of been in the spotlight a little bit because there was a big documentary that got released on Netflix eh, a year-ish ago, I think, maybe. It's been a long time. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 was a, it was a while back. Um, it was called The Staircase. And yes. Yes, and it dealt with the author, Michael Peterson, mm-hmm. and his murder trial for allegedly murdering his wife. On a staircase. Um, a lot of really weird things come out in this trial. A lot of twists and turns. Let's just dive in. Okay, so uh, Michael Peterson was born in Nashville. He graduated with a bachelor's degree at political science uh, at Duke University. He was the president of his fraternity. He was very well liked. He was on the student newspaper. He was very charismatic. After he graduated, he worked with the Department of Defense, and he was assigned to uh, research increased military involvement in Vietnam, was basically, he he was analyzing what was going to happen there. So, kind of an important dude. He was educated, and he kind of got into a pretty important spot there. So, while he was doing that, uh, he also got moved to West Germany and got deeply, deeply involved with... You know the armed forces because of the Department of Defense. Uh-huh. Um, in 1968, he enlisted in the Marine Corps and he did serve in the Vietnam War. In '71, he received an honorable discharge with the rank of captain. Okay. Uh, he had a car accident that left him with a permanent disability. Therefore, he wasn't you know physically able to serve anymore. He uh, says that he has these medals. Purple Heart and things like that. No one can really find documentation on it, so nobody really knows for sure. Okay. You know, I guess that's a thing.
0: But you uh, would think there would be documentation
1: on you that You would somewhere? think because this was like a Silver Star and a Purple Heart, like pretty big and right? important ones.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: And so, you know, he's kind of maybe a shady person a little bit, you know, telling some things that maybe aren't necessarily the truth. You know. Anyway, after he got out of the armed services, um he decided his calling was to become an author. Okay. He wanted to be a writer. Um he was still in Germany, he had been stationed in Germany. He was still living in Germany with his first wife named Patricia. They befriended this couple in Germany and started having these couple dates with them, and became really really good friends with them. And their two children became really close with their kids uh uh-huh. Michael and his first wife had tried for several, several years to have kids and couldn't. And so they were very close with the neighbor's children. And then, you know, before she did end up winding up pregnant. Okay. You know. But they were really, really close with the neighbor's kids. Kept them all the time. This was a very almost familial relationship they had with these people. Okay. Then the woman, uh, her name was Elizabeth, she died. In 1985, and when she died, Michael and his first wife, Patricia, became guardians of the two children because the husband couldn't take care of them himself, I assume. Okay. Michael and Patricia ended up getting divorced in 87, so two years after they had, you know, gotten guardianship of these children, they end up separating so now they have the two children that they have adopted, and then they also have two biological children of their own.
0: Okay, so they went ahead they and had, actually had Yes, they kids. were able to
1: have kids. She had two kids, and so they have four children all together. They moved back to the States, okay. uh, moved to North Carolina. There, Peterson wrote three novels based on his experience in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, he has books called The Immortal Dragon, A Time of War, and A Bitter Peace. Okay. Um, He wrote, he co-wrote the uh, biographical Charlie Two-Shoes and the Marines of Love Company with a journalist named David Perlmutt. And he's also uh, co-wrote Operation Broken Reed with a Lieutenant Colonel Arthur L. Boyd. So he does a lot of military type based work. Okay. You know, in his writing.
0: And things like that. So I have to admit, I'm not a big military. You type know, it's reader, not really so. my
1: it's not really my type either. But, I haven't read you know, anything. But, I know oh, a okay. lot of people are really really into it. Right. You know. Yeah. He also had a column at the Herald Sun, and he kind of became known as a critic of their police. Department. Okay. He uh he had a lot of he had a lot of hard opinions about <laughs> the police there. So he's criticizing the local
0: police. Yes. Now.
1: Okay. So then we then we move over. You know, 1989. He's written these books. He's uh-huh. done these papers. He's ha- he has this column in the newspaper, and he meets this woman named Kathleen Atwater. Uh huh. Um. She is a business executive. They met in '89. They didn't marry until 1997. Okay. So. And then, so, you know, they were together for a while before yeah. they, you know, tied the knot. Kathleen and her daughter join in. These kids they have the two that they've adopted, the okay. two that they had. So, they have five kids all together, including Kathleen's daughter. And so, everything was pretty good. People said they had a pretty good marriage. Life went on. Everything was pretty normal. Their kids grew up. They went to college, you know. From you know 1997 to apparently December 9th on in 2001, everything had been fine. Everything had been fine in okay. their marriage. It was like 2:40 a.m. in the morning on December 9th when Michael Peterson called 911, was very very out of breath, very shocked, very you know sobbing. Uh, you know couldn't calm him down. The the 911 operator couldn't calm him down. Um, said that his wife had fallen down the stairs. There was blood everywhere, but she was still breathing. Okay. Could somebody please hurry? And, and you said this was 2.40 this in the morning? This is 2.40 in the morning, yes. Okay. Um, So, you know, she had fallen down the stairs. You know, somebody please come help. He said that, you know, the staircase had like 15 or 20 stairs. He didn't know how many she had fallen down. He wasn't in the house. So, uh, he told them that she had consumed quite a bit of wine that night. Mm -hmm. and had taken her Valium, which from everything that you hear, she took it quite regularly, the Valium, maybe quite often. The toxicology report showed that her blood alcohol content was 0.07. So, you know, she was right at impaired. Okay. You know, if you were to be pulled over, I think a 0.08 is impaired. So she was right there. She probably had, like, four or five glasses of wine. So,
0: she'd been drinking some she'd wine. She'd been drinking
1: some wine. The autopsy had concluded that she had sustained several injuries, including a fracture to the high, uh, the thyroid neck cartilage and seven lacerations to the top and the back of her head that they felt were consistent with blows from a blunt object. So, they're okay. saying, no, it's not the staircase. They come, they take her, they do the okay. autopsy. They're saying, whoa, 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 we thought this was a simple slip and fall. There's no way these injuries came from a slip and fall. Something had to have happened.
0: So they're saying the blunt object couldn't be stairs or a wall.
1: Yes, they, they're saying that something tore into her skull, tore into her skin. It couldn't have been her bashing her head. It would, have, it would have been different imprints or something. Okay. They Anyway, they figure out there's no way that this could have happened by just falling down the stairs. They've never seen that before ever. Okay. They said that she had died from blood loss. Mm-hmm. The injuries might have been treatable had somebody gotten to her quicker. Mind you, when this is all happening, Michael Peterson is down at the pool, which is quite a ways away from the house. They have okay. a quite quite a big backyard, and I think the pool goes down like a little hill thing before you get to the pool. And uh, he was down at the pool that he had been down there with Kathleen. They had been sitting mm-hmm. at the pool drinking, celebrating. He was potentially having one of his books turned into a movie. Okay. So they're celebrating that night. They're, they're drinking. They're having a good time. They went out to dinner. They came home. They go oh. sit by the pool. She took her volume and they drank wine and
0: hung out, basically. Did they also do a um, alcohol test on him?
1: I'm not really sure if they ever did. Uh, I do believe they said in the police report that he did not appear to be inebriated. Okay. Um, he said that he. I think. I think the report had said that he had he'd consumed like two glasses of wine, so he wasn't drinking as heavily. I don't think as she had been. Okay. Um, don't quote me on it, and don't hang me if I'm wrong, guys, because it might not be. <laughs> this is just kind of from memory. So he had had. Some he had some wine. Yes. We'll say at least a half a bottle. He had had at least half a bottle, maybe not even a bottle Which, to I
0: mean, a half a bottle would be a couple of glasses. Yes. And, but and I mean, she, but had had it, she had had the majority of been, the wine.
1: Yes, and think about it. She had been having the majority of the wine, but she still wasn't even at impaired quite yet. Right. And so then she might took have her volume
0: on top, top of that, that. though. Yeah. And which would make her even... Way more impaired way more impaired and yeah. then she's walking up the stairs. Yeah. Which I mean this is her home. This is something she's probably done multiple times is yes. drink wine and then take her volume. Yes. It's probably So, a regular this is thing. probably a very normal Nine weekend night.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so everybody starts going, Okay, well he was the only person there, you know, it looked a little bad because he did hang up on nine one one, but then he called them right back. But he was paranoid. He was but scared. He was scared. Um, he the the nine one one tapes. And I mean, you can YouTube these or whatever to find out more information on it yourself. He's hysterical. Like he does not know what to do with himself. Just like you would if you walked in and all of a sudden your wife or your spouse was laying on you know the floor. Yeah. But um. So, the medical examiner does this autopsy and says, you know, by the lacerations on her scalp, this could be nothing but a homicidal assault. She was attacked. Okay. And so, um, the, she says, the, the medical examiner says that it was a total of seven lacerations to the back of her head that was a result of repeated blows with a light yet rigid weapon. It wasn't heavy enough to, cr- like, crush the skull or anything like that, but it was light enough that it, you know, could cut the skin, at least. Um, okay. You know, they said, the defense, of course, goes, you know, her skull was not fractured by blows or anything like that. She had fallen down the steps. There's 20 steps here, guys, you know. Mm-hmm. She could have hit in her head multiple times on the way down. Right. Especially if you're tipsy and, you know, trying to get up or whatever. Yeah. Right. You know, a, a sober person could sustain multiple injuries. A drunk person could sustain even more. Right. You know. Um. Of course, this, this trial drew a lot of media attention because he was a pretty famous author. hmm You know, of course, in 2001, 2002, when this all happened, when this started, that was... Court TV was a big thing and I remember was, that you know televised court was like a big entertainment thing. Yeah. Watched it all the time. Absolutely love Court TV. Uh-huh. Um and so as as you know, it became a bigger speculation, you know, people were people were really focused in on this, the prosecutors like started scrambling basically. Um, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, they didn't have a super solid case, but they tried very hard to make one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pull out a whole bunch of really embarrassing private private things about this man. Um, they found out that he had been talking to a male prostitute, um, oh. trying to arrange a sexual engagement, um, had a lot of gay pornography on his computer, and just a whole bunch of, you know, these very embarrassing kind of things the prosecution pulled these out and says, look, he was not happy with his marriage. He did not want to be married to a woman. He killed her because of that. Of course, Kathleen's sister lost her sister. She's very upset. She's very angry. She's out for blood. And she just keeps pushing this. She knows that he did it, you know. So the defense says that Kathleen accepted that he was a bisexual man. And understood and to keep their marriage happy, supported whatever he decided to do by way of meeting men. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they said, they, they you know, they accused him of murdering her with this thing called a blow poke. It's a very long piece of metal. Usually it's like brass or something like that. Um, that has a hole that you can blow in it to like stoke the fire. And then it has a hook on the end so you can pull logs with it. Um, they're not super common, I don't think. Um, Kathleen's sister had bought one for them. But when they went through the house, they could not find one. So they're thinking, okay, this blow poke is light and rigid and able to cause mm-hmm. these scratches on her head. You know, these big ind- indents in her head. And so they start looking for this blow poke and they can't find it anywhere. Uh, Michael Patterson's people have them go through the house again. And then all of a sudden they find this blow poke. This blowpook has been untouched. It has dead bugs in it. It's not been used, especially for a murder. Yeah. You know, by any means. That of course, they tested it. It comes up negative for all the blood and everything else. So, that's kind of the thing that they pushed, but it didn't really turn out for them.
0: So, there's no blood on it. There's dead bugs and stuff. Yes. So, it's obvious Obviously, that this hasn't been used in a long time. Exactly. And uh, so, we get into it.
1: The gay thing kind of flopped. The blow poke thing has kind of flopped in the defense a little bit. But then they kind of have a home run here because we're going to go back to Germany to those people they were living mm-hmm. with. Uh, remember, Elizabeth Ratliff had died. They found Elizabeth Ratliff at the foot of a staircase. Oh. Um, with injuries to her head. The death had not been investigated by the German police because it looked like a, you know... So,
0: this is the friend's wife. That they had adopted
1: the daughters from.
0: Okay, so this is the. This is a woman from Germany.
1: Yes, this is the adopted daughter's mother.
0: Okay. So,
1: they find her at the foot of the stairs with injuries to her head. And it was investigated, and I'm going to put air quotes in front and behind that. It was investigated by both the German police and the U.S. military police, because they were on a, a police uh, military base. But, they said that it concluded that she had died from a brain hemorrhage, so it had to be a fall from the stairs, basically. Okay. Um, the only weird thing about that, you're, you know, Michael Peterson was the one that found her. Michael oh. Peterson. Michael Peterson was also the one that called the police... To come and, you know, get her body from the stairs. Okay. Um, which is really horrible looking for him. It looks real, real bad. It doesn't right? look good. He looks like a serial pusher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what he looks like. But, um, so they exhumed Elizabeth's body. They got an wow. order. They got an order to exhume her body. Um, the medical examiner that had performed the autopsy on Kathleen performed an autopsy on Elizabeth's body as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body, you know, they had transported it to Texas. They got the evidence, you know, that they needed from it and turned it over. And they ended up changing the cause of her death to homicide. The medical examiner did. And so, um, the prosecution is saying, you know, this woman has been murdered on the stairs. He's right there. Now, his wife has been murdered on the stairs, and he's right there. You know, their big thing was lightning doesn't strike twice. You know, he did Mm -hmm. this. And so, uh, they go through all this stuff. They go back and forth. They do this whole big production in the courts, Mm -hmm. and they find him guilty of murder. Oh, Yes. On April 10th of 2003, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. They said that it was a premeditated murder, that he knew that, the, that he was going to do this. Um, therefore, that's the reason that he got no parole possible in the state of North Carolina. If you are premeditating something, you don't get the possibility to ever get out, apparently. So, he instantly appeals you know because he's led from the courtroom to the prison he instantly appeals like this goes on to 2006 i think uh in september of 2006 the court of appeals rejected his argument for a new trial they he was saying that all the that they had messed up on some of the evidence they ruled that the evidence had been admitted fairly um, they didn't find any any of the things that he was saying was wrong. They didn't really find anything for that. So he had exhausted his appeal of his verdict. There was nothing that he could do about that anymore. They, the, he got two new attorneys in 2008 that represented him. They filed a motion for a new trial um, on three grounds that the prosecution had withheld exculpatory evidence about the blow poke That the prosecution had used expert witnesses whose qualifications were disputed and that one juror had based his judgment on racial factors, is what they were going with. And in March of 2009, his motion was denied, again, by the uh, Superior Court. But in 2009, um, a new theory had kind of been thrown around. People were talking about it. Um... The, uh, the theory is that Kathleen's death was not a murder, that she was attacked by an owl. Oh. They said that, the theory is, she was attacked by an owl on her way into the house. Mm Mm-hmm. She had fallen after rushing inside from being attacked, being knocked unconscious after hitting her head on the first tread of stairs. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how she ends up at the foot of the stairs, not falling down the stairs, you know. Not being hit on the head and falling down the stairs. He, you know, he did, they did some poking around. His His lawyers and stuff had done some poking around. And they end up being able to go back over some of the physical evidence. Mm-hmm. They find a feather in her hair.
0: When oh. they
1: found her, when they did the autopsy, they found strands of hair in her hand. Like she had been covering her head. Mm-hmm. And that's what the pers- persecute- the prosecution had used to say she was trying to defend herself. She was holding her head, but these people are saying she was holding her head because she was being attacked by an owl because they found a feather intertwined with her hair. Okay. They bring this up and they find the feather and they list it as new evidence so they're mm-hmm. able to get a re-examination of the trial. In March of 2017 we go all the way to 2017 all the way from September 2009 to March of 2017 these people are just trying 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 to get him a new trial trying to get him a new trial um, Talking to a bunch of experts on, on owls to see is there any way that their talents could make these marks and and stuff like that. And they're saying that, yes, there is, you know, water and, you know, it can hold water. That theory could be possible. And so in February of 2017, all of this went on. He was denied appeals. They had even appealed because one of the expert witnesses, had actually been called out as doing some of the testing and stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. And so all of their things had been like null and void. Any expert witnessing that they had done had been considered not, not admissible in court anymore. And they had went on and done this. And finally, in February of 2017, they talked to the uh, prosecutors and they got him a plea bargain um, called an Alfred plea. Which is a plea that is entered because of, because sufficient evidence exists to convict him, but you say I'm innocent. I know you say you have enough evidence, but I say that I'm innocent, basically. And so he admitted that he was at fault for the manslaughter of Kathleen uh, Peterson, and okay. he got out with time served that day, and right now he is a free man. Okay. So, the mystery in all this is, was it a blowpoke? Was it an owl? Will we ever really know? Aliens. Aliens is always the answer. But, I mean, you have all this evidence that's piled up against him. He's not in a happy marriage. He, you know, found another woman at the foot of the stairs in Germany when he was younger. You know... There's a lot of there's a lot of different things that kind of pile up against him, and you're looking at it, and he's not the most personable of men. He's really right. not. He's kind of abrasive. He's mad. He's in the situation, and so he's not a nice person. And then you have this crazy theory out of left field, an owl. Think of that. Like, could you ever say, oh, yeah, I bet she got attacked by an owl. And then, like, a one in a million stroke of luck, they find a feather in hair. Years later, like years and yeah. years later, yeah. But that's, anyway, that's kind of that's some odd. it's something it's something to think about because there's so many factors for yeah. each side. Like he did it, he didn't do it. Like, it's it's a really cool thing, and I suggest you know if you have the time, which everyone seems to have some extra time right now, uh, check it out on Netflix. It's called The Staircase. Yeah, um, I think Discover ID also did uh a thing with it. Michael Peterson as well um, discussing the case and, and what happened and stuff. But yeah, so I thought that was a, a pretty interesting mystery. There was a little bit of twisty-turny, mm-hmm. you
0: know, things in it. But uh, but yeah. And I've seen uh, The Staircase on Netflix and it's really good. It is. And you really did a good job on that one and I hadn't heard oh. the whole owl part of that. That's a really the- interesting I mean, like I said, twist. like
1: 2017, so it was pretty recent because I mean, right. this happened you know, quite, quite a long time ago, but uh, but yeah, really, it was just, it caught my attention, he was an author, he was kind of a public figure, yeah. people knew who he was, you know, and to have this all come out, and then, I mean, I feel sorry for the guy, I personally feel like an owl attack seems feasible. exactly. Um, given the marks on her head, given the situation, Mm -hmm. I feel like it could have been possible. It could happen. Drunk people don't tend to feel things as much. She might have not even realized what had
0: happened to her. I mean, and it had happened before, so
1: that's... And, and I mean, and in that region, they had experts say that owls had attacked multiple times in that area, attacked Mm -hmm. humans. And they always attack on the back of the head. That's always like the one place they tend to go for is the back of the head. Right. And so, so I mean, I feel like the owl theory is probably a little bit closer to the truth than he murdered her somehow. He hid the murder weapon,
0: and right. he didn't
1: have blood splatter all over him. And there wasn't, uh, there was cast off on the ceiling and things like that a little bit, but there wasn't anything like you know,
0: but it's she was being off. attacked and stuff and it ripped at her and yeah. flew up, that could You would think that. you would
1: be, but but you would think that you would be finding like hair and skin particles, fragments it, yeah. on, on where the blood splatter might be or even on the floor somewhere where it had ripped right. hair, you know. I lose hair all the time. I find hair in places I didn't even know, you know. Right. You know, so <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's an interesting theory. It's one that got him out of jail. Very interesting. Good job. Thanks. Thanks. I think we both had interesting things. Yeah. I mean. Good ones to come back to. Good ones to come back to, guys. We're giving you good ones. I really want to hear some suggestions, though, because I have my own true crime web of, you know, murders and mysteries that I'm familiar with, and that people mm-hmm. I know are familiar with, but I would love to extend that out, guys, and like find out about new murders and new crazy things that have happened because that's what I, I
0: love to do. Right, and we want to hear your personal stories personal too.
1: Personal stories, uh anything, even regional news stories that you guys have that deal yes. with murder mysteries, stuff like that, missing persons, suspicious you know, circumstances, anything, that would yeah. be amazing. You guys hit us up, and we're gonna try to do better on social media. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to mm-hmm. do better on social media and actually kind of talk to you guys because that's what I would like to do.
0: Yes, I am not good on social media no. at all. I don't have the time for it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I make time for it. It's okay. I got to get our Instagram going too. I'm not a socially person. Yeah. I'm more of a murdery person. Well,
1: don't don't tell people you're a murdery person. That's not a good way to describe yourself. Meet my sister. She's a little murdery. You got to watch her. She's a little murdery. I like knowledge. She likes murder. It's weird. Anyway, guys, seriously, email us, contact us on Facebook, comment on Facebook. Yes. We'll have a discussion. Maybe if we get enough people, maybe we could do a live one day.
0: Oh, yeah. Or do maybe a, a dead. Or dead. <laughs> do, a, do a Facebook dead.
1: Anyway, <laughs> you guys, it's good to be back. We're going to continue doing this. Um, for our listeners, I know we have like 137
0: at last uh, Something like that. It something was pretty left-out. amazing. Pretty, Thank you. Pretty neat
1: for two people that are talking into the void here.
0: I know. Yeah. I I honestly thought we were just talking to ourselves. So, talking to ourselves, <laughs> recorded conversations for later.
1: But uh, but thank you guys. Continue yeah. listening, and we will continue to do our best. Yeah, and say bye. And say bye. <laughs>